Ladies and gentlemen, we are back for another episode of Real Chalk. We're in the office right now at Chalk Performance Training, sitting down with Manager David, which you guys know very well. But also, we have a guest, Rich Lamborn. Thank you. That was excellent pronunciation, and (laughs) thank you for asking me after five years of knowing me. (laughs) (laughs) I just had to double check to make sure that I didn't say his name wrong. Rich has won an Olympic gold medal, so no big deal. You, did you go to the Olympics twice? You went to the Olympics twice. I went to two Olympics, yeah. Crashed and burned on the other one, Mav. No, we got we got fifth in the second Olympics in 2012, but in oh, 2008. Fifth. Yeah, so you so the way it works in That's why in, I like you though. My lucky number is 5. Oh, is it? And my whole my whole life, dude. Like That was my uniform number. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my god. I got to get you. I got to get you one of my uniforms. Dude, I'm telling you the number 5 is wild to me. Like, I graduated in 2005. <clears throat> I grew up with five brothers and sisters. I opened the gym on the fifth month, May, on the fifth day. So I, like, my, my, uh, like, my dorms and stuff when I was in college was, like, room number five. Like, You're five foot five. I am. He is. Dude, it's insane. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's literally absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> it just never stops. <clears throat> Thankfully, my dick is bigger than five inches. <laughs> five feet? <laughs> Let's go. No, I'm just kidding. Well, ladies and gentlemen, honestly, the reason we have Rich here and the reason we're in this room today is to obviously give you guys some fantastic content. And we're going to talk about basically post-athletic life. Like A lot of us have done a lot of amazing things, and now we're like, what do we want to do? What do we do? Like, Where do we go from here? And like, what is that mindset like? And then also... You know, a lot of people go from sports to coaching. And do the best athletes in the world make the best coaches? Um, or, 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 are they, uh, or are they really bad at coaching? There's a lot of you guys out there right now. You, you put your training in the hands of a lot of other athletes out there. And is that really the best way to go? Or are you looking down on the person who has a lot of knowledge but doesn't have a lot of you know, impressive athletic performance in the past? So we're going to dig into all that right now. Right now, Rich is the coach of the USA volleyball team. One of the, yeah, one of our top beach pairs on the men's side, yeah. Okay, so was that the first thing you did when you were done? Basically, it was, actually. I I got very, very fortunate because uh, I played indoor volleyball, uh, and... I actually forgot about that, that it was indoor, and now you're coaching... Now I coach on the beach, and so... I'll get to some of the differences in that once we get to the whole, like, athlete versus coach thing. Sure. Uh, but I was very fortunate in that my career indoor ended kind of abruptly, meaning, you know, not a, not on the timeline I would have chosen because, you know, the way it works with the indoor national team is there's a head coach, and if he decides you're no longer on the team, you're no longer on the team. Hmm. Uh, and so that is sort of what happened – with me and a good friend of mine who's kind of um, probably my number one coaching mentor who is now at Nebraska, which is one of our top women's programs collegiately uh, for volleyball. He was he was coaching one of the guys I coach now, Jake Gibb, and his partner at the time, Casey Patterson, who were uh, one of our top pairs then. And he said, And he was also coaching a women's team. And so he had kind of a spot for an assistant or an intern, I like to say I was, basically, because uh, there was no money. I was just sort of happy to be there and learn the game because I, I played a lot of beach volleyball growing up in Southern California. You know, during the summer times, uh, 
back home from college and so forth, you played a lot just to better your game, stay in shape, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But certainly I'm, I was never anywhere near the level my guys are at. Uh, and so a lot of the intricacies of the professional level of the sport were completely new to me. And so I was very lucky to just kind of jump in and learn at the feet of a guy I respected a lot, but also be on the world tour and kind of be watching the sport at its highest level and kind of uh, learning how to how to win and what was necessary to be competitive at that highest level. How long did you play before you started coaching? How long did I play? Uh, well, like how long was that athletic career for? Uh, well, my professional career was probably about 12 years. I started with the U.S. team uh, late 2000, probably, I mean, basically early 2001. And But you played for years before that, I assume. I played in college before that. Mm-hmm. Where did you so play in college? I played at Brigham Young University in Provo, Utah. They just sadly took a beating in the national championship finals to Hawaii last weekend. But uh, Shout out BYU. <laughs> yeah, we we won a national championship in '99 when I was there. Mom. Let's go. Uh, so we yeah. have. I mean, you got like almost 20 years under your belt before you started coaching. Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I played for a long time, and again, that was all indoor volleyball, which is very different from beach volleyball. Which is why, you know, there are some technical stuff that transfers a lot, but again, like how to score and you know some of these nuances of the sport on the beach side are very very different than on the indoor side because, you know, just by nature of the fact that you have two people, you're on sand, you know, indoor is hardcore, six people, you know, I mean, it's kind of a specialized game. Do you think you would have been a better coach if you were coaching indoor? Or do you think that you learned so much more so that you would be an amazing coach for outdoor? Do you want to get into to kind of that topic right away? Because I, I have some very distinct thoughts on that. Yeah. And, and I feel very fortunate, quite frankly, to be coaching the different discipline of the sport because I think one of the, the things that oftentimes makes successful athletes not great coaches is they superimpose their own experience or their own hmm. athleticism or their own whatever into trying to coach. So, right, like if you're, if you're my coach at CrossFit, for example, and you can, you can bang out 100 calories – in a minute and a half on the assault bike and you just yell at me like bang out a hundred. Yeah. Where are you? Yeah. Why are you why, not? Why, this, you why are you that? not this good at this? It's easy for me. Yeah. Right. Like that's a poor coach and you, you probably have a difficult time understanding it's... why I can't do that. I don't have, because my background was indoor volleyball. My experience is different. And I was never at any point in my life, anywhere near the level of my guys on the sand. So I don't have sort of that, ego tied to coaching predisposed so it's actually a blessing in disguise it's a blessing in disguise yeah i like that it's fun it's fun because you know i mean the environment's great you're at the beach blah 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 the the guys i have are are unbelievable one of them doesn't even have any indoor background whatsoever one of them was player of the year in college so he he kind of has a foot in both worlds uh but yeah from my perspective you know we have this collaborative effort because i don't have nearly the experience they do so I rely on them when we're going into matches to say, like, hey, I trust you guys and your experience to guide us as to what we want to do against this opponent. I'll give you my opinions, and we can kind of agree on, as a unit, what we're going to do. But I'm not this 
dictatorial guy that's like, I know better than everyone, right? Right. And I think that that goes to a sport like, uh, I mean, bringing it back to the functional fitness world, where a lot of people that want to be coached by this high-level athletes or that feel like, hey, I'm going to follow so-and-so's program because they do these things. People don't realize that, and even for people like Ryan, that program for thousands of people in the world, you have to be very careful with how you put out this program into the world because... We just talked about this today. Right. We made it work yeah. out today, and you were like, you're so gung-ho on using the numbers that we made, and I'm like, no, we right. can't. It, we it, took can't. Us, it took us 45 <laughs> minutes to make the workout, and then we did the workout to practice it, and then we decided to change it up because, hey, the world doesn't, number one, they don't need this. Number two, this is just, it, it's not going to help what their goals we, are. We were super, you were trying to yeah, superimpose yourself. Correct. Into yeah, I, and I was, I was trying to say, but, but I, blah, 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 and you're like, no, 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 hold on, it's... 10,000 people out there that are just trying to get a good workout in and they're not they're not you, they're not me. And that's a big deal because a lot of people think like coaches, people that want to be coaches or get into coaching, they're like, "Well, I'm really good at this." And you notice it on like programming, certain people will program in like they'll never program like their weaknesses. Oh, never. You know what I mean? Like they never I I remember like having a a coach in CrossFit a few years back and, and you look at the programming and you can go back and look at it and it was never like there was never too much rowing in the programming <laughs> and it's because he was fantastic at rowing. It was like it was second thought so he never programmed rowing that much. It was like uh. 200 meter rows or 250 meter rows like and therefore I was suffering because I wasn't doing enough of certain things. So I, I feel as coaches people that are really good at certain things we have this predisposed like way of thinking like, well, I don't need to do that. Therefore, these people don't need to do that kind of yeah. thing. Uh-huh. I just, I don't know. So, and I think it applies to a lot of sports, not just CrossFit, where it's the sport of working out to get better at working out. And I think, you know, I think I had my own little blessing in disguise because I genuinely believe for a long time I was definitely one of the best CrossFit athletes in the world. I, I genuinely feel like if I didn't get so many breaks in the regionals <laughs> and – threaten to kill people and you know that, get that, a that get, go get, well. a, get a bad name just for you know being kind of the Johnny McEnroe of CrossFit I think had <laughs> I broken into that I got into the games a few times I think I would have done very very well but I think having not had that happen and having like fallen short and getting fifth yeah. at regionals <laughs> nice um and another time getting Whoa. fourth like one place away and um <laughs> just like you know a bunch of these different finishes that I had I think kind of it helped ground me a little bit and keep me on like a much more humble side of like, hey, you don't know everything, even though I felt like I did. And even now, like when we program workouts, I feel like I know so much about the workouts and such, but I feel like it helped make me a better coach. I definitely made me a much more grateful person in terms of business and all the things that I have now. I don't know. I don't know if things would have turned out the same. Like I don't know if chalk performance training would be the same had I made it and because I think I would have kept continuing to try to be one of the best athletes in the world, and I think I would have put a lot of this on hold. Hmm. And I think that's like where I'd like to segue kind of a lot of this stuff. And then, I mean, I have a lot of other topics I want to get to in terms of coaching and everything, but I feel like we all have this like very, very small window where we decide 
we're going to do another, like for Rich, another four years, right? Like he mm. can't just go to the world championships next year. Like in his mind, it's like I got to do another Olympics. That's four years. Right. For me, you know, next year is the CrossFit Games or, you know what I mean? Like for a lot of other sports, you can go to the highest level the next year. And a lot of people don't realize there's world championships for every Olympic sport. And it just happens to be like super televised and supersized every right. four years. Right. But, you know, as an Olympian like yourself, like you want to hang in there for another, another, uh, another go. But, but that could be uh, – there could be a plus and minus to that though too, right? Because I think sometimes it's easier to walk away if you go, hey, I don't have four more years in me. But if it's every year, sometimes, you know, like even if you have some hiccup that doesn't you get you there this year. You try to hang on for a little longer. You can hang on for a little another, longer. You, you know what I mean? It yeah, might yeah. be easier to hang on too long if it's just year to year rather than going like, oh, I know I can't make it for to 2024. Plan. Yeah, true. So I might as well start looking elsewhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I could, it could probably go both ways. But I remember getting a text message from you, or maybe it was a DM in my Instagram one day, and it was talking about and – <laughs> and I was talking in my stories about – how, you know, I had a lot of bad things happen to me in my athletic career, but I was also saying how grateful I was because I was able to build all of these things. Right. And then you wrote me, like, this super nice message, and you're like, dude, I, like, I like love all the things you were able to do during that time, and I really feel like, you know, I forget exactly what you wrote, but you were like, I think it's, like, it's, it's better. I think it was something like it was, you're better off with the way it was, and I'm, like, proud of you. Like, you said something super nice. P.S. Amazing glutes. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Uh, well, yeah, I do. I mean. And you were like, I'm amazed at what you've done. or it was, it was something along those lines. And I was like, oh, this is such a nice message. I even screenshotted it and saved it in like my little motivational folder. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> well, I, I mean, not to sidetrack this with sappiness, but uh, it really is impressive. And, you know, the other night, the little anniversary party oh, yeah. that we had here, you know, and whatever, there could have been intoxication involved and all that stuff. But it really is impressive how grateful you are and how expressive you are of that gratitude for everything you have. But it, I mean, really that's everything you've built and the fruits of your own labor. Right. And I, you know, I mean, obviously I would argue that that's what people respond to with you a lot yeah. is that gratitude. Humble. Uh, yeah. Humble yeah, I mean, and gratitude. And we, we can all uh, waver in and out of humility, I'm sure. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, even, even when we're, you know, less humble than maybe we should be expressing yeah. that gratitude is, is really an impressive trait and, and what helps people respond so much to, I think what you what you put out. Uh, hey, Ryan, why did your athletic career end? Attempted murder. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Like Look at our performance. <laughs> everybody's always like, I, dude, I, I really thought you were going to be a maniac. You're so nice. I'm like, well, I was kind of a maniac for a really long time. Yeah, but I, it's interesting though, because uh, I mean, I have, similar personality traits like especially in the heat of competition you know what i mean like when things are calm and whatever you you sort of have a different viewpoint on things than when you're going after whatever it is you're going after and somebody gets in your way yeah right so so like people that think you on the competition floor is the same you that they're going to get in the chalk gym that's just not the way it is right if they're getting the same person, then <laughs> yeah. there's definitely something wrong with your competitive person. The continuity is the shirtless part. Yeah, that's it. that's, that's all that you get. That's I love same. that you can take your shirt off in here. It just it changes the vibe so much. Like if you were in 24 hour fitness, for instance, and you could take your shirt off, it would change the whole vibe. There's a uh, lot of people who they look super intimidating with their shirt on because they just look so jacked. But mm-hmm. then you take their shirt off, 
and they're just a giant marshmallow. Ah. Mm. I mean, I don't know why you're looking so hard at David when you say that. Yeah, that was <laughs> no, no, no. no. I mean, <laughs> kind of rude. Giant marshmallow stare. <laughs> it's like they're a big Cuban marshmallow. I don't. Yeah. Not to point fingers. I mean, I don't even like going to the bars or anything like that anymore because I feel like I just go paddleboard at my shirt off and. You know, you do girls, girls hang out with. The, they come out with the boats and they they pull it right up to me like, oh hey, and I'm like, this would never ever yeah. happen to me anywhere else, but right. like here in my element right now. Yeah, this is the way to go. That is the way. To go. I will coach you on a few things later, <laughs> later tonight. <laughs> Speaking of coaching. Speaking of coaching, um, somebody asked me today actually hmm. on my Instagram. They're like, hey, how do you get into like coaching? And I was like. Um, which is what I wanted to ask Rich, like, was that always the end goal when you were like, Hey, when I'm done playing volleyball, I'm going to go be a coach or did it just, no, it was, it was largely happenstance for me. Cause like I said, my playing career ended a little more abruptly than, than I had expected. Uh, and How so did I, I go? Did, did you want say... to go another four years? Uh, well, it was like 2000 and it was early 2014, like February of 2014. So you know, I'd had the conversation with the coach because the position I played, which was like this defensive specialist <laughs> position, uh, only one person can travel to the Olympics at that position. So What's this position? It's called Libero is what it's called. Uh, and so I'd had the conversation with the coach like, hey, you know, I'm sort of the incumbent guy, but there was this great kid named Eric Shoji who was in the gym as well. And he's a phenomenal player and he's who is currently playing that position for the U.S., and rightfully so. Uh, And and truth be told, I mean, he was a better volleyball player than I was. Uh, And so I was like, either you have to sort of make me the guy or make him the guy, and I'll be sort of like the older mentor, supporting guy, whatever, right? And so we'd had, and, and so I kind of thought that was the road we were on. And then, you know, for whatever reason, you'd have to ask him what the reasons were, him being the, the coach. He decided in February when absolutely nothing is going on with the national team that it was time to cut ties. So I was How did shocked. just go phone call, text? No, just... no. Hey, want to grab lunch? And we meet at Whole Foods over in the, the district over in Tustin. And I thought we're just chatting okay. and having lunch. And then, you know, sort of my world comes crashing down, so to speak. Whoa. It's like like the guy didn't even order lunch. I'm sitting there with food <laughs> on so, the patio at Whole Foods. So what and are he you goes, getting? Uh, let's talk about uh, you not being on the team anymore. That's oh. how, that was the opening line? No, it was like small talk and then boom, transition. Let's talk about like not you not being on the team. Oh, but he okay. said, let's like, talk about aggressive. your retirement or something. Yeah. Oh. He said something like that. Okay. And I was like. Uh, oh, well, let's talk nice. about what an asshole you are. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Thank, thanks for the respect. I was only on the team for 12 years. and That is know. crazy. Yeah, that it crazy. was. So it was abrupt. Well, but again, kind of to your point about, you know, I mean, it could be argued in fairness that I was like hanging on too long mm-hmm. to that because the way, you know, payment worked with the national team, it was kind of like a, like you a teacher. Paid, you get paid dick for USA anything. Yeah, well. If you're in I mean, Europe, you make you're like you got free cars, six figure contracts, like it's gnarly. Yeah, I mean there are some guys doing pretty well on the team. Um, my position they, wasn't super high paid. Are they doing better because of sponsorships or from actual USA money? No, they're doing better because the leagues they play in in Europe professionally. Okay, or you know pay them well. Uh, the USA money, 
isn't isn't bad, quite frankly. Oh, okay. When I left, you know, they were paying me like nine grand a month. Oh, that's now, really good. Yeah, it's only for the time you're there, so it's like four months a year. But still, because uh, when know, I was doing bobsled, it was like in the hundreds. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, even yeah. in the thousands. Well, so but the point I was trying to make is that it's kind of like a teacher's situation. You start, you know, when I started in 2000, oh, I was making like 800 bucks a month. Less than that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. It was like a year in by the time I was making $500 a month. Okay. And then you sort of like, like, more like of what ramp I'm up. Yeah. So, I mean, I had 12 years in, but then they also did this qualifier thing where you had to uh, travel to the, the most important tournament of the year. So, like the first year, it's like this Grand Champions Cup, they call it. Then it's the World Championships, World Cup, the Olympic Games, of course. And so, you know, the first four years, I didn't go to any of those. So I was on the team for four years, but my salary didn't increase all that much because I wasn't playing the big tournaments. Then once I was, it went up and, you know, it was – so it, it becomes this situation where, you know, like I said, this other kid was a better volleyball player than I am, but I love playing volleyball. I'm making nine grand a month. Am I going to leave? No. No. Yeah, absolutely not. The coach said, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> You're fired. Yes, you are leaving. <laughs> You're fired. Dang. That's yeah. rough. So then, but like world. I said, I was very lucky that right at that time, my buddy was on the beach. I knew the two guys he was coaching. I've known him for a long time. One of them went to BYU. The other one was from Utah. So I'd actually played against him in like outdoor tournaments when I was in school there. So it was kind of like a smooth transition. And, you know, I love beach volleyball as well. I was anxious to learn just being around those guys, the environment, the opportunity to learn, you know, which is something I enjoy. It was it was just complete happenstance, and I was very very fortunate. How do guys like that that are such high levels talking about the beach guys? How do they react to you coming from indoor volleyball? And obviously, you were good at what you did, but you had no idea what they did and how they did it for the most part. How do they react to a guy like you saying, "Hey, now I'm your"? I, I guess you weren't the coach right away, but you were the Hey, I'm the assistant coach. How do they take that? Are they like, hey, I'm stoked. This random guy from indoor volleyball is going to come like work out with us? Or was it more like, hey, who the heck is this guy? Well, like I said, I knew both of those guys. So, okay. so there was a, a little bit of a comfort level already there, fortunately. Okay. And also, I'm not like personality-wise, I'm not a super imposing guy as far as like, hey, I'm here now. Everybody listen to me and what I have to say. I guess um, when you don't talk, you don't have an imposing personality. Yeah. <laughs> when you walk in a room, people <laughs> think, hey, I'm here. That is funny, though, that, that you say that because, like, the first year, you know, we'd be at these tournaments and uh, Casey, one of the guys, would go, oh, hey, so-and-so from this other country, this is this is one of our coaches, Rich. And they're like, your volleyball coach? <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those of you that don't know Rich, look up his Instagram and you'll see what we're talking about. Yeah. The dude looks like he just – Walked out of the movie 300 set. <laughs> I was going to say the exact same thing, yeah. but the Persian guy, he's taller than everybody. But yeah, but he's yeah. just the oh. bigger movie, yeah. the bigger guy. <laughs> it, he's shredded like a Spartan, but looks like Cersei's. But also 40, know, 40, 40, 42, 43. Jewelry, 46, I just 46. turned. He just turned 46 yeah. this month. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, 46. And sports a mohawk. What a boss. <laughs> yeah, he's a monster of a human being. I just okay. like to rub it into my uh, friends that are my age that don't have hair anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, coming from a guy, we were in the bathroom, we were talking about girls, and he says something. He says, slay and release. <laughs> slay and release. <laughs> if you guys need a really good... I don't, well, I don't even know, like a really good line for later for your buddies. There you go. Slay and release. <laughs> um, moving on. Like, let's do a quick qu- question real quick. You played um, – you were a wrestler. Yep. Division one. Yep. College. Mm-hmm. When you were done playing, were you – did you have – was there any part of you that wanted to keep keep doing it and maybe do, like, something outside of college with wrestling or not really? Not really. Not really. Not really. Okay. And I think mainly because I didn't – I never had, like, the crazy love for the sport of wrestling. I started okay. wrestling when I was actually a freshman in high school. So – a lot of these kids that wrestle in college, they are, they've been wrestling since they were five years old. It's their life, their passion. They've thought about winning national championships, going to the Olympics. For me, it was just a way to go to college. Okay. So I started wrestling freshman year high school, and then I was like, okay, um, I'm semi-good at this. I'll go to college and, and try it out in college. Um, so I never had, like, these dreams of, like, I, I just wanted to be really good at it, but never – past that and i thought about it a little bit once i was on wrestling like, oh maybe i'll go like try for the olympics but yeah i just never actually loved the sport of wrestling it was more like hey i'm doing it and it was really fun i had a good time while i did it but it was never yeah. it was never the love that i had for like a sport that i like you know it didn't break my heart when i was done okay um so, so it's a little bit different different a story bit different. so for than, you rich i would say do you wish that maybe you got out sooner and then maybe you had plans for something else maybe you wanted to do in your life? Or are you like – you like the way everything kind of turned out? Uh, I'm, is there anything else that you ever wanted to do or not really? Like you just love – like volleyball just is life, which is fine because there's a lot of people that their sport is their life forever. It kind of still is for me actually in a different way. Yeah, I, I mean I, I certainly love uh, volleyball. I didn't – necessarily have aspirations of you know like finishing my career and then being a coach i'm very happy that it's turned out that way uh but i wouldn't consider myself at least as it pertains to volleyball somebody who's necessarily passionate about coaching okay because the way the way coaching is on the beach at least in our country it's very dependent on who you're coaching for me, whether you enjoy it or not, because I've coached a few different pairs throughout the years and some have been great and some have been less than great. And the guys I work with now, I couldn't love it more. Yeah, I, I, uh, I've I've been to one of your sessions. It's, yeah. It seems super fun. Yeah, it's awesome. Actually, that Canadian guy still talks to me all the time that we met. Oh, he, well, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> he's like trying to get big on Instagram. He always hits me up. Yeah. You know yeah. what? Uh, I just was talking to his name is Sam Pedlow. Yep. And uh Canadian team, right? He's Canadian team. Yeah, they're they're trying to get into the Olympics. They're kind of right on the cusp. Um, and I was talking to him a bunch in Cancun, where we just were for the uh, last couple of weeks. And I don't know. He said he's doing the online programming thing. Oh, nice. Little little bit different than uh, than what you do, I think, because he's trying to focus specifically on volleyball players and doing like you know increase your vertical and and doing these like twelve to eighteen week programs yep more so than just like the monthly programming thing. a lot of people don't realize though is like 
that I used to always think, and I remember I went to a really big like seminar. Mm-hmm. It was in San Diego. It was like the Fitness Business Summit, and there was a lot of huge speakers that spoke on stage. And I remember like my whole like as soon as I started in the business realm, all I wanted to think about was hitting something, hitting the world with a product that I knew everybody would want to do. Yeah. And then this one guy just came on stage and he's like, you guys don't want that. You want the niche. Like you want the small, small group because then you were going to be the guy Mm. and you can charge whatever you want. So I remember just being like, Maybe he's right, you know? So I started, you know, I did like, I went straight into like the high intensity interval bodybuilding stuff. That was the first thing I ever did. And I was like, how many people really want to do this? Because they need a rower and an assault bike. You know what I mean? So they're going to be people in CrossFit gyms. Sure. So like these are the only people I can really market to. And I remember thinking that I was scared about it. And I wanted to do something that was a little bit more like kind of what I do now, actually, the bodybuilding stuff. uh, Which is opening it up to so many more people. But I got my start with the niche. Hmm. And I, and it, you know, it did really well. And I think that a lot of people, you know, when they want to get into the business stuff, they really think about that whole, the whole world, you know, and I I think the niche group is, is huge. Um, And he gave us a bunch of examples on stage of like chiropractors who had podcasts that were making like a million dollars a year and like Hmm. all these different crazy things. Right. And like, you would never think that from a chiropractor on a podcast. Right. And he just, so he brought up all these, all these things that like just broke your, your barriers of belief. And then um, I just, you know, I took it and I ran with it and. Well, I mean, first of all, again, without being too savvy, I think you're kind of singularly talented, uh, particularly in this realm. You know what I mean? Like the variety of programming that you provide and so forth and the variety of people that that appeals to is pretty unique. Um, Just to finish up with uh, about Sam, I think you're right. He's doing a great job of finding what he knows, which is, you know, power generation and, and vertical generation and so forth, because uh, that's his training and that's what he's gone through himself. And so he kind of knows how to structure a, a 12-week program or whatever. And so, like, his format is a little different than yours, but, like, it's it's genius for him. Yeah. And he's like, you know, he was giving me the ins and outs, like, oh, yeah, he's very active on social media, which – is also like something you and I have talked about, right? Yeah. Like you got to get sort of past the initial hang up of sitting there talking to your phone yeah. or, or whatever. It just feels a little douchey, but it's it's a necessary <laughs> evil. And I'm and- at the first time in my life right now where like I don't give a fuck anymore about like someone looking at me. Like I'll, I'll do a selfie in the grocery store with someone right next to me, and I, I won't care at all. Right. But I am officially at the point where I'm a little bit burned out on making like videos for my grid like when you go to my actual page and you see like my posts Uh. those are kind of burning me out but like just like the normal everyday stuff on the stories and all that like i love yeah it's just uh like coming up with a good caption and then like i feel like i've posted everything a million times people don't realize the the work every post i don't do all the posts for chalk but i do some still and it's like it's It's, tough yeah but again you i mean you do i think a a great job of even if, you know, even if I'm a guy that's followed you for a lot of years and so I've kind of heard your story, the way that you you sort of like circle back to it and retell it and kind of add a different spin on it is always very impressive and engaging for somebody even like myself who's read it before. But again, that registers as like very genuine and very appreciative on your end. And so it kind of like is attractive you know from my end every time i tell a story i literally 
I try to tell the story literally to my younger self, like yeah. every time, because I'm, you know, I had those moments where I didn't really know what I wanted to do and where my life was going to go and all these things, and I'm like talking to that person when I tell the story. So like I'm talking about being grateful, but I'm also talking about like that 26 year old kid who just didn't know what the fuck he was going to do. Right. And like he was such a good athlete and he had this great resume and he was a college graduate and like all these things. And like how many of us get there? Like you go to school, you get your education, you, you know, you have this great resume, but you don't you either one don't know what you want to do or no one has really given you the chance to do what you want to do. Right. Like it's great that you had that chance from a friend to become a coach. Sure. But not everyone gets that. And so like imagine you got kicked off a team or released or retired, however you want to call it. And then. You didn't have anything, and you're, like, in limbo mode for a little while. Yeah. That limbo mode for me was sleeping on couches and a bunch of really bad stuff. But, yeah, it's just – it's an interesting scenario. Like, that's – it's it's so hard to go from being so passionate about a sport and then having to be passionate about something else. Like, I went into, like, a pretty deep funk for, like, six months. And my funk wasn't really getting – not making it or anything like that. It was just, like, my knee literally deteriorated on my left leg. Huh. So I just got to the point one day where – I, I did a snatch for a CrossFit Open workout, and I watched the video. It wasn't the way I felt. I watched the video of me snatching it, and I'm so crooked, and it's it was a 275-pound snatch. Hmm. And I just looked so bad. I was like, I'm that's, done. That's I told everybody the next day that I was done, and they're like, what do you mean you're done? I'm like, yo, I'm just not doing it anymore. Like, well, yeah. look at this video. I was like, I'm going to start messing up my hip, my ankles, my shoulders. Like, everything's going to be messed up, and I just don't want to deal with it. Like, I, I'm already in pain, and I didn't know that I looked like that. So I stopped. And was, that that was that tough. your come to realization moment watching that? Oh, 100. percent I'll show you the watching video when, snatch, when this is over. And then I'll show you were it like, you. "This is it. I'm yeah. done. Ha- yeah. Hang him up." Yeah, that was well, it. So to go back in this conversation a little bit to you know, like, did I always think I wanted to be a coach? No, is the answer to that. And um, some of the, like, I wouldn't call it regret, but it, it's almost it almost teeters on on jealousy in a way. Uh, that I have towards people like you or people like my buddy that that gave me the chance to be a coach that's you know one of my favorite people on earth is you know like I look at your story for example and see like oh I was a helicopter pilot at, at 18 and like all these things that you accomplished and you're what now 34 mm-hmm. so like like I'm I'm 46 and I feel like I'm just starting to sort of like figure out <laughs> <laughs> what I'm doing with myself. Well, you get blinded by the sport. Exactly. And so that's why I say the, the jealousy thing. My my buddy uh, has an even worse knee than you, if you can believe it. He had eight knee surgeries. And, I mean, he, it looks like, no joke, when his feet are facing forward, that's what his knees look like. Like one's facing the side <laughs> wall. It's wild. It's like Uma Thurman's eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Uma, over here. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, but, you know, so his career was cut short way sooner than he would have wanted. But as such, he got into coaching. And, you know, by he's, he's like your age. So 35-ish, he's already in one of the best programs in the United States because he's got 12 years of coaching under his belt you know what i mean and so i look at that and go man you know on a certain level i wish my life would have started a little earlier so to speak but another thing that that sort of fascinates me and and resonates with me about your story is this notion that you don't have to necessarily know that this is the path i want to be on you can just sort of be open to things and be ready to pounce on the opportunity should it come 
because, you know, I don't know, to relate this to the CrossFit thing a little bit, obviously, like fitness is something I've always been interested in since I was in high school and stuff. You know, my buddy and I were all about watching Pumping Iron and, you know, reading the Arnold Schwarzenegger Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding and all yeah, that kind of stuff. Big book right there. Um, yeah, huge <laughs> book. Yeah, and I could I memorized like every page of it and all that stuff. But you know, so that was always of interest to me. Obviously, I didn't lift like that when I was trying to play a sport because it's just not uh, they don't fit together. But I always sort of knew that once I was done playing, I wanted to try and get a little more jacked it's when I didn't have to you be did worried it. about. Yeah, you, <laughs> you, you did it. You memorized it, and then you did it. Good, good for you. Good well, when you don't you. have to worry about functionality towards and, a sport yeah. so much, you know, you can have sort of different goals. But then, you know, like having the chance to rub shoulders with someone like yourself, this world becomes sort of fascinating. And is there like a way to find a path in, in this kind of of world for me. You know what I mean? Because this yeah. is something I'm, I've always thought you were born to just make freaking fitness programs and you talk incredibly well. He has a great vocabulary. Yeah. <laughs> like Very good. Very articulate. Very easy on the eyes. <laughs> like, I mean, very easy. And you walk in, <laughs> I hope this doesn't end in a gangbang. <laughs> the door is locked. It's kind of headed. The door is locked. <laughs> you're great. No, you're great. Yeah. 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 <laughs> speaking of, speaking of great, actually, this is a perfect segue. So, there's a lot of great coaches out there. There's a lot of great programs out there and a lot of these different things. But I think – and I'm interested to hear your take on it, Rich. But, you know, especially in my realm, there's – you know, we have – I don't, I don't want to call out these programs, but I kind of have to. So, like, we got Ben Bergeron's program, right? right. Comp train. train. We got, mm-hmm. like, Invictus. We got Mayhem, a lot of these other people. Proven who, now. Okay, we have Proven now uh, or, or whatever. Matt Frazier thing Matt now. Matt Frazier thing now. Okay, cool. So we got a couple – couple brands right i'm not going to call out one specifically right but let's talk about the fact that a brand gets big from an athlete right so where do these athletes come from so since i've been a crossfitter in the very beginning of my career which is in like 2010 11 range i had always associated certain brands with certain athletes but these athletes just showed up to these people's gyms Mm mm-hmm and then all of a sudden it became the fact that they have the best program. And then when you hear who's winning the CrossFit Games every year, which is everyone's basing the programs off of who they're being coached by and who wins the games. Mm-hmm. And most of the time they interview these people afterwards and they're not really following anybody's program and they just happen to murder it like on their first year. So like Matt Frazier, for instance, comes in, gets second place his first time at the CrossFit Games. He wasn't coached by anybody. He just happened to be an insane freak athlete. Josh Bridges was under Invictus when I was when I first started. He was a Navy SEAL, freak athlete. Didn't matter if he went to Invictus or not. He was going to be that person regardless. Tia Toomey was an Olympian, this, that, in, in, in weightlifting. She, you know, got on the stage, crushed. Ben Smith was at the top literally since the beginning. He, I remember watching videos of him throwing He's, literally like heavy rocks at trees for CrossFit <laughs> open workouts. And oh, I remember video that. them and throw them yeah. up. They were insane. And he did muscle ups on a, like Let's the just, side of a tree. I mean, I, I could just keep going all day long. Like all of the top athletes, I don't think it would have mattered who programmed for them. It, Rich Froning, another one, his first time at the games, got second place, didn't know how to climb a rope, would have gotten first. And ever since then, he was at the top of the podium forever. So again, doesn't really matter. And then a lot of the times you listen to what they actually did. And they're like, well, I did, uh, like, everything, basically. Right. So 
all of a sudden, all the science that everybody's talking about, like OPEX, we have OPEX. You know, he's very, very smart. Has an amazing program. A lot of science into it. But he never had an athlete win. So I don't really care how great your program is, scientifically speaking, if you haven't produced the top athlete. But the top athletes happen to go to these other people and this and that. But regardless, like, I just think it's interesting because people will just gravitate towards that product because of the person behind it. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's the best best product. Yeah, people associate uh, winning, I guess we're talking CrossFit now, um, to like a certain name or coach from a certain athlete. They just put the two and two together like, hey, they won. This athlete won because so-and-so coached them or because so-and-so programmed for them. But the the reason for this, before you continue, is the fact that the best athletes don't necessarily become the best coaches, and the best coaches aren't necessarily – they weren't the best athlete. Whatever. You, know, yeah, you, you guys which, know what I'm trying to which say. Which we like, see that in CrossFit, obviously. Like, uh, I, I don't know. No offense. Well, yeah, ben Bergeron's ben not, Bergeron's like an not an elite, elite CrossFit athlete. CrossFit right? athlete. Yeah. And uh, I, I feel like a lot of people, what's happening to CrossFit is now a lot of people that were good at CrossFit, they got someone that was even uh, – a lot of these coaches, like Ben Bergeron, Katrin comes to him, and it's like, Katrin was already good. She was going to regionals every year. athletes like, now. Um, yeah, I'm sure he helped, but he didn't pick up Katrin from the side of the street and was like, hey, I'm going to make you good at this thing or, or you know, any of these coaches that are making these athletes from, like, zero to, like, this. No one no And a one's lot of done times that. they well, – what, What's our point here, though? So, basically, you know, people, when they want to follow a program, mm-hmm. they don't necessarily know what program to follow or why. Right. You know what I mean? And I think that it's – it sucks to be sold on something primarily for the focus uh, that, like, the best athletes go there. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to make you any better at your goals. Like, there's so many people right now. Like, we're talking about being athletes and then moving on. But there's so many people that are stuck in this CrossFit realm. They think that they need to train for the CrossFit Games every single day for their bodies to look a certain way. Right. And they think that they need to do that to be happy in terms of the way they feel when they leave a workout. Like, how many times do you and I both do, like, you know – an FBA program, full body aesthetics or something. And then you kind of want like a little bit of a burner. Right. <laughs> you, right. Know, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. but do you really need it? Or is it just for you to feel better? So now I feel like we're in this world of like, everyone is over training like crazy. But then also I think that they're picking the wrong training program. It's, this, this is not me marketing my program, but like, because I haven't necessarily had any like people who won the CrossFit games doesn't necessarily mean that my program is inferior to someone else's who's, that's your focus point. Do you feel like you get those kind of uh, reviews or comments that, that you know less than a Ben Bergeron because you haven't had a CrossFit Games? I never really have, but I assume that when people are looking at programs, that might be something that they think about. Yeah. Well, I, you, but you I, know think, what? I just think that a lot of people don't realize that a lot of the athletes just kind of show up. Like a lot of these like top top athletes they were already really good before they even got coached yeah, they've by been, these people. they've been working really hard and they've got they were already really good and somebody that's I don't want to say mediocre coach maybe these guys are great coaches but it, it's it's one of those like right place at the right time if somebody walks to your door right now and they're like extremely good yeah and now you're following they're following your programming and they go to the CrossFit games like did you really coach them are you yeah. really? Can I give you like some volleyball examples of, of that concept? Yeah, I, that's what I would love. Yeah. So, 
I mean, I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. But I also think that the reality is that most people, A, aren't doing a bunch of homework, meaning they're not studying what's comp train versus Invictus versus chalk performance mm-hmm. training. You, you know what I mean? Because they they just don't take the time to do it, but also they wouldn't have really the wherewithal to know how to differentiate in the first place. Yeah. Right? And so not only are they not doing that homework, but how how do you know which one's better? You just have to try it out. One of the things I appreciate about the messaging you put out is like, hey, go to all the gyms in your neighbor in your area and try them out and see what feels best for you. Because maybe this gym, you know, I came over here from Orange Coast just because it was a little more intense. I came over here with Steve Meyer that, that yep. one day, and I was like, dude, this is kind of gnarly here. Like, I'm getting my ass kicked, and I, I need that to sort of motivate me, mm-hmm. right? And so I liked the vibe, but that may not be for everyone, right? I always tell people, too, like, don't go check them all out because you're going to want to come back here. I say check them all out to fit whatever fits you. Right. <laughs> exactly right. And so people don't necessarily, even if they were to do their homework, they don't know exactly what they're looking for. And so that's just the inclination of people, right, to go, oh, this successful person is tied to this, and I would love to be successful at this, so I'm going to do that. And that's most of the time that's the wrong way to yeah. think, right? It happens in volleyball. Oh, this this guy's a good player. He would be a great coach of private lessons for my kid. And meanwhile, this guy's just a great athlete or this girl's just a great athlete and has no idea how to explain the basic fundamentals of things to a 13-year-old or a 14-year-old, right? So, you know, going back to our whole great players don't necessarily make great coaches thing, people, the average person doesn't know what they're looking for. So it's an interesting debate, I think, are the comp trains and the Invictuses and the Matt Frazers, are they wrong for putting out that notion that you can be like our successful athletes if you follow this programming? No, I think it's no, genius I, marketing, obviously. I would say, yeah. I would say that, you, you know, there's no underhandedness in that. No. It's just like, hey, I've had success doing this. Give it a shot, right? I, ironically, I the best programs I've ever seen have never been from the top names that people think of or the top athletes. They're always from like, like a, it was like a pretty good athlete and he just like really, really like, like programming learned, like learned or some shit. like they get like, super a, I mean, a, Marcus Philly's a guy I follow on I Instagram. I love Marcus's stuff. Dude. I mean, good friend of mine too. Shout out. To he Marcus. seems like an unbelievable dude. He's super smart. Um, He's another and, guy that's got a bunch of variety in his programs though, to sort of fit whatever level you're at, right? Cause, yeah. Because half of the stuff he's doing on Instagram, A, probably most people don't have access to the all that equipment that he's using. But B, I don't know who's able to do this with the freaking ball and go side to side and all that. Yeah. I mean, the guy's gnarly, right? Yeah, he does a lot of advanced stuff for sure. Yeah. I think so, – so that's like the next segue I really wanted to get into was basically someone like Marcus who was so gnarly, great athlete, went to the games a lot. I saw him a lot when I was trying out and doing like some of the grid stuff, people who remember that. <laughs> That sport was just devastating to people's bodies. They did so many gnarly things. <laughs> I went to a couple of those. Yeah. So, like, I mean, the sport of CrossFit is basically training you for overtraining. How much can you train so that you can overtrain for this particular week and get through it? Right. So that's why, in my opinion, I don't really give a fuck about any of these brands out there because I don't think that no one is – I don't think anyone's smarter than anyone else because the people who win are doing they're, – they're overtraining. None of it actually makes sense. You can't really write it down in any – form or fashion where you're going to tell me 
that you're building aerobic capacity and anaerobic capacity at the same time and actually getting progressively better and getting stronger and, and all these different things. It just doesn't work. So there's an overtraining element. I think that the most important element is how much fun are you having in your training? Because if you're excited to do it every day, that's a huge, huge factor. True. And and how long can you do it for? Yeah. How long can you sustain this? Whether but when it's all said and done, like, what do you really want to do? What's left? So the reason I wanted to bring this up is because of Marcus. So Marcus, you know, did all that stuff, went to the games multiple times, did grid for a few years, which is so gnarly. Mm-hmm. And then now he's doing, like, all of these, like, kind of, like, rehab type of movements. Yeah. With a bodybuilding emphasis. Um, and constantly changing it all the time and not lifting super, super heavy anymore. And then... Shredded to death. Yeah, and then you have me now, and I do very similar things. I don't really do the rehab style of it now, but I do, like, the bodybuilding and the super intense cardio, and then I just do the bodybuilding, the full-body aesthetic style stuff. My whole demeanor has changed completely. Like, my goals have changed completely. And if I was to go back, I would take a lot of these principles with me and that was my question to you now is like how much has your weight training changed since the Olympics to now and would you bring any of this with you? Because obviously things change over time too. Like when you were doing volleyball, like CrossFit probably wasn't even really that big yet. So you weren't really doing – a lot of people weren't doing like functional movements fast. Yeah. You know, they did power cleans for three sets of like three with a three-minute rest in between. And like sure. Now, and then it turned into like 50 for time. Yeah. Well, I mean that's an interesting question because – I remember having a conversation with our strength and conditioning guy just a couple years ago. And, you know, this is like I've, I've been not playing for a couple years at this point when we had this conversation. And he had already changed the way he was training the indoor team now compared to when I was there, you know, in like 2010, 11, 12. Uh, so that's how kind of rapidly training modalities evolve, right? Yeah. Uh, and he was like, he was all kind of bummed out, like, ah, oh, I wish I would have known this stuff when you guys were on the team. Because we went from like three times a week in the weight room, we we're training like two hours. You know, it was kind of like that stuff you said, like the yep. Olympic movements. But then, you know, I mean, we had sort of some bodybuilding stuff in there. And uh, I, I did probably more bodybuilding type movements oh, than some tell. of the other guys. <laughs> uh, we can tell. <laughs> but now they're going like 45 minute sessions five times a week. And, you know, it's a lot more like even in your uh, FBA programs and stuff like the incorporation of the bands and all that stuff that hits the muscles, but it isn't quite as damaging. You know, you don't go home and sit on the couch and go like, I hope I can get up later to go get dinner. That's kind of what bums me out about a lot of the big brands out there is I feel like they're still doing traditional CrossFit. And I feel like I always like to say, like, if you're not innovating, you're dying. So, like, I think that's like. The secret sauce behind chalk is like I actually got rid of the CrossFit name and called it strength and conditioning because it bothered me. Yeah. I just don't feel like people are doing what we're really supposed to be doing. I think it evolved into – it innovated, I should say, into something that was unhealthy. I mean, how yeah. many of the top athletes do you see that are still healthy? They're all fucked up. And it's like I don't want to do that anymore to my my standard population. I'd rather them just look – like oh, people walk in chalk all the time and they're like, dude – how is everyone so fit? I'm like, these motherfuckers don't have a choice. You finish my workout, you're going to look good. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, a lot has to do with the fact that... We don't do three-minute workouts yeah, here. The, like, you the know. people yeah. that want to compete in the sport of CrossFit, whoever you are, good for you. You need a coach. We've talked about this before. You need a coach. 
you need a program, you're going to be overtrained, you're going to hurt, and, and good for you if that's like the way you want to go. But for the 99% of people that just want to look good and they want to do high-intensity training, um, you don't need more than an hour of working out yeah. a day. Like, you don't need to come back to the gym two times. The right times. type of working out, yeah. Well, there's a disconnect, need. though, in the layman's kind of perspective, don't you think, where, like, I think if I just follow the workout program that Matt Fraser follows – I'm going to end up like Matt Fraser, which is patently false, right? But I also am overlooking – Because Matt Fraser's first year at the games, he got second place. He's just that kind of guy. Right. Well, But, I mean, you, you would be in the better, same category, yeah. right? Like just kind of freak athletes with this aerobic capacity, Olympic uh, weightlifting background. Yeah, all, insane all that kind of work ethic. Like they're not yeah. just doing what they're doing. They're doing Yeah, he didn't. He, he didn't do, you know – Murph every day for the month of May, like our boy Charlie out there, and, and, and <laughs> shout, uh, out, shout, out, shout out Charlie, uh, and end up at the top of the podium. Yes, right? but I also think a little bit of the disconnect in kind of the average person is they don't understand that that is a full time pursuit. Like you listen to Matt Fraser, and he's talking about he never went to bed after like 10 p.m. the entire time he was competing because every waking moment was dedicated towards being the best. Right, and like. A Ben Bergeron, I think what is excellent about that guy, it seems, you know, I don't know mm-hmm. much. I just follow along on Instagram or whatever. But he's doing, like, mental training and all this kind of, like, mindset stuff. Yep. And it's like this full, broad-spectrum approach to training because his athletes, that is their life, their livelihood. Professional yeah, athletes. It's their job. So yeah. I can't just cherry-pick one piece of that and expect that I'm going to be on the level right. of that. Right? But, I mean – that, again, not, it's, that's not to disparage their programming yeah. because it's very good. I respect all of them. I think they're yeah. all great coaches, and I think they all have great programs. Just, right. You know, just for the record, I just think that. I think that, actually, you know what? I fucking know. So, we have all these amazing programs, right? These, this person's amazing. This person's amazing. We can sit here and fucking talk about how great they are, and then all of a sudden. Who's the next big name that comes up that everyone's like, holy fuck, this dude's insane. Which program does he follow? Mm. Justin Medeiros. Right. Oh, yeah. Right? Does whatever the fuck he wants. <laughs> Works out with some gym that no one's heard of. No. The whole deal, right? Nowhere. Yeah. That's what I'm fucking saying. Is <laughs> like, these people just come in. Yeah, he is not a mayhem athlete. Like, yeah. he was... You're going to have all these people right now. They're like, all right, I'm going to follow this program. I'm going to do this mindset thing. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to fucking jerk off every day at 323 exactly on the dot because that's what's going to happen. You know, I'm just I'm making – I'm exaggerating, right? But right, like, right. It's not a bad time. Though. I mean, it's, it's a solid time. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, what time is it? Um, <laughs> you passed it. You missed your window. But anyway, um, it, it's just interesting to me because you can have all these – you can have all these external factors that you're bringing into your life and you're still not going to be at that, that level anyway. So um, it just goes to show, like, I feel like in the sport of CrossFit, I just get bummed because I think I get bummed because I think about who I would have been if I didn't stop the sport earlier and start my life. Because I don't think that I would have. I think that had I gone, I would have kept doing the athlete thing and I would have missed this opportunity when, like, social media came around Mm -hmm. and I got to start my business. Because I can't imagine now – Building what I have now, coming into Instagram and all these different things and trying to make it big in the in the social media world, it's a lot harder now. You can still do it, but it's significantly different, significantly harder. And you kind of have this like catch up that you're trying to do 
And I feel like a lot of athletes in the CrossFit realm, they're like really – I mean, for you to make $9,000 a month on the team, such a cool thing. Like there's not a lot of athletes making that in the whole year as right. a CrossFit athlete. They're uh-huh. going to the gym. They're coaching a few classes. I think, I, I think I, when I was coaching, I was making like – maybe $10,000 a year. I was just like paying my rent and like just like uh. small things. I do some personal training here and there to pay for food and different things. And I was totally fine with it. But a lot of these people are putting it out there for a really long time. And then they wake up one day and they're like, fuck. Yeah. I just wasted five years. I wasted it. Years, you know what I mean? I wasted it and I put my life on hold and I just don't want people to do that. <clears throat> and I think that a lot more people who are in the functional fitness space should just be worried about looking good and feeling good and performing well. I think I, there's nothing cooler. Like, there's a guy just before this podcast who was like, hey, we're going to go climb Mount Whitney, which is a humongous hike, one of the yeah. biggest hikes in America. Well, it is the biggest one in the continental, continental U.S. And I'm like, yeah, I haven't done any walking at all, but I'll go do that with you, and I'll be fine. Right. I think that's what's cool about it, and that's how it started. Yeah. That's how functional that's fitness what it started. Be all about. And then it turned into this whole thing. But couple couple thoughts. At the risk of sounding like a uh, cheesy, trite, douchebag you you wouldn't want your history to change because your history is precisely what brought you to where you are right no i want my history to be the same right 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 yeah Uh, i mean we always do that right like oh if i would have started earlier i'd be even farther ahead today you know whatever um but also to to play devil's advocate a little bit Mm -hmm. on this this whole topic of programming and you know is it good is it not good or whatever if I'm an aspiring CrossFit athlete, what should I do? I mean, isn't it sort of like inherent in us to seek out who's the best and try and emulate them as closely as possible? Isn't right? I mean, yeah, I mean that would be the, that that would be like the natural decision, right? Right. Now, obviously, the average person isn't an aspiring CrossFit Games yeah. athlete. I don't but, think there's as many as there used to be, right? Which yeah. is a good thing. Um. But, like, yeah, if I want to be the best, then I think that you need to come to the realization depending on your age. Sure. I would say if you want to be the best and you are under 28, we can talk about it. Yeah. yeah <laughs> if yeah. you're already at, like, 26, 7, 8 range, it's still kind of iffy. Yeah. And I think for the girls, it's even younger. Like, I feel like if you haven't even already made it to the games and – by like twenty five, it's like you're kind of uh-huh. screwed. Like they're they're all it's like way younger and way fitter. Yeah. But um, I also feel like as soon as let's just say you are like twenty two, I think that's a great age. Like that twenty two to twenty five range for the men at least, I think is good. Like the younger to twenty five ish. I think you need to come into it with already a background. Sure. All these guys came in with a background. Like Rich played baseball. Matt was an Olympic lifter. So-and-so was maybe a gymnastics person. So-and-so was maybe this or that. I think if you don't have that background, there's a very good chance that you're not really going to get into the games and do well immediately. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know anyone who's really been really good and just, like, showed up to the games and didn't even end up, like, in the top ten. These people all go, like, their first time because they're such freaks. Right. They get, like, in the top ten and then they wind up winning later on or they wind up being, like, in the top three – and wind up winning later on. Right. Noah Olson's like probably the only person I know who was like a legitimate, like normal person. And then like kind of like slowly built his way up. But he was so young. Yeah. He was like 17 when he got into it, 18 when he got into it. And then just slowly got better and better and better and better. And I think he's the only one that I know 
who made it to that high, like top three level, top five level. Because um, he kind of came around right when it was at the height of its popularity, yeah. so he could sort of fixate He's on. He's the only one I know who was able to kind of do that with no real background or anything like that. But if I didn't have a background and I still wanted to f- seek out the right person, I think instead of seeking out the right person, I would seek my foundation. Mm. I would seek an Olympic lifting coach and get nasty at Olympic lifting. Yeah. And then on the days I wasn't lifting, I would go do some cardio stuff, like some running or some swimming or you know switching it up all the time. And then once I got that base level where I feel like I'm coming in equally as all these other top athletes, I have that background that I'm bringing with me, then I would probably start seeking out someone in the community. And I think that I would probably do a different program probably every three months. Mm. Even if no matter which program I was on and no matter how much it was really helping me, I think I would probably switch it every three months just to see – just like trying every gym, I would find out if there's a you know some more. I, I don't think you can go wrong with that because CrossFit is such a ever changing sport. Like you do a program for three months, and and everybody like we talked about, every coach, every program is going to have some kind of bias. Mm-hmm. Even even the well rounded programs, there's going to be a little bit of bias. I think behind every program. So switching it up now, you're switching up your bias. Some programs are like super gymnastic. Like there's a lot of gymnastics in the programming. Other programming, you're gonna lift a whole lot, even if it's well rounded and you're doing everything. So switching it up is not yeah. a bad idea. Every three months, you just hop on the next new cycle is starting and you do it again. And I think if you're getting the sport of CrossFit right now, you it's just a lot more serious now. You need a coach. Like I think you need to already be like you need to come into it sponsored. Or you need to come in with it. With like, I, you need to come in with it with a hundred grand in the bank, so you don't have to live I, for. You don't have to a work because everyone who's who's good now is they're already set. They have sponsors. You, they have everything. You need a coach. You can just walk <laughs> in. I, I think the days of somebody walking into a gym and saying, "Hey, I want to go to the CrossFit Games," and them training in the morning and then maybe coming back at night and doing the gym programming. Um, I think unless you're like a freak athlete with like a tremendous background, like Madero's, I mean, he's probably the only person I know who's done it. Correct. Recently, who's done it recently. Then you're, you're going to need a coach to be like, Hey, you suck at this. You're going to have to work at this all the time every yeah. day. And then no. now you're going to have to get good Olympic lifting. Oh, I never Olympic lifted. Whoa. Good luck to you. Whoa. Yeah. Now you have a year, two years of just Olympic. That's lifting. why I say bring that foundation in yeah. first and, yeah. and, and nail that first. Cause yeah. A lot of people complain about not getting stronger and it's cuz you're just doing too much shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so so conversely then, if I'm just the average citizen and I'm looking to get fit, you know, using this kind of training modality, how do I go about finding the best program for me, do you think? I think that the most important thing is being educated on it. Like, I mean, think think about how much research we do when we buy a house. We look at all the other prices, make sure we're not getting ripped off. Right. We want to make sure that, like, it's got, like, a good school system. It's got, like, you know, a good walkable score, all these different things. You right. have a Tesla. I'm sure you looked into things about cars and why that car is cool. Um, like, you know, David and I recently bought road bikes. I'm sure we you looked into, like, a bunch. you know, like, all right, this is this much money. Like, you know, what is it about it that makes it this way and all this stuff? But for some reason – when it comes to, like, food or it comes to fitness, people are just willing to take someone's word for it, and it just shouldn't be that way. Like, you should equally have to put some work in. And I mean – Well, I agree with you, but that was kind of the point I was making oh, yeah, earlier yeah. is how 
how do I do that yep. research? Because you know there are there are a lot of resources when I'm buying a house or buying a car that kind of tell me why this is good, but like yeah. there's not necessarily other than testimonials of people who have right. done think, Ben Bergeron's program or Invictus or whatever. I think it goes back to what he said about trying out. Like, where do you live? I but live on, here. On top of that, though, let's just say you're trying to figure out, like, like he's saying, though, you know, yes, you try other ones out, but how do you know to try? So in my opinion, you should be putting out content that talks about education and not just results and mm. not just people posting workouts. That's why, like, a lot of the stuff I put on my Instagram is me talking about like what you should eat and why sure not like look at this transformation I, I actually don't post that many transformations as much as i should i probably should do them more but and then even with the gym you know i i talk about why i made the workout i talk about you know why progressive overload is important i talk about why you haven't had any gains in the last year because you haven't been doing this or you haven't been doing that mm. and that's like what's really important i think like when someone just keeps posting cool photos of people and this and that and I think that when equally as important is like when you follow people on Instagram who look a certain way and you respect them, you'll see a lot of cool photos. You'll see a lot of cool workouts. You go to their story and they're barely ever talking because mm. they don't know how to fucking talk. Mm. They don't know what they're really doing. They might even be buying their programs from somebody else. Like you always know when someone's legit and they get on and they just like rip through something that's super, super smart. Like right. they're just like. I'm making this because of this and this and this and this and this and this is what we did this week and this is what we're doing this week and this is why we're doing a program and blah, 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 blah. And you're like, damn, this guy's fucking legit. Or the person just looks amazing and you just keep following them and, you know, they never talk on their story. They never do this. It's just videos of movements. <laughs> like, and to bring it full circle, yeah, that's – I mean that's the difference between great athletes and great coaches, right, is like the ability to relay information. That's huge. More, more often than not – Great athletes are just freakishly talented athletes. They don't necessarily know why they're capable yeah. of doing certain things. They just wake up and can deadlift 500 pounds or, or whatever, right? Uh, I, but, re I remember training with Kenny Leverage, okay. one of my old roommates. And I remember we were both coaching at, at Orange, Orange Coast. Coast. Yeah. And I remember someone just being like, Kenny, like, can you teach me with a muscle up? And he's just like, you, you just do it, bro. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> granted, he knew how to really coach it and break it down. Sure, nothing sure. against him, but he just like at first he's like, man, you just you just you just like you just you do it. it, and then you just jump up yeah, there you and just do it. Pull. And then like he showed him, and he's like, like this, like, like what about the tips though? He's like, yeah, you just pull real hard. And I was just remember just being like, whoa, dude, <laughs> nice work. Yeah, yeah. That's like in, in volleyball, my favorite coaches. You know, you hit the ball out, and they go, uh, yeah, try and hit it a little more this way. So yeah. it's like in the court. Thanks, coach. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a great tip. It's like a server for tennis. It's like, you just got to get it in that line, bro. Yeah, yeah. Like, just inside the box yeah, is what I, we're going I, for. I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> I think oftentimes, like, great coaches um, were not great athletes. That's what I'm saying. And, like, oftentimes, so. because they were, like you were saying, they were able to step back and actually – see from their own like perspective or not not see from their own perspective just see from where like being able to communicate relate information really well is what makes great coaches i had a really good wrestling coach in college and um he was he was actually really good at wrestling himself but he was an even better coach probably 10 times better coach than he was wrestler mm -hmm. and it's because, because of his he, language right yeah he could just articulate and and make you feel 
at ease and always make you feel like you were learning even when you were doing things wrong. It, there's Coaches just have a way of making you feel like, hey, it's going to be okay. You're going to get it. Like, you will get this. Like, it's not – there's never, like, a doubt in the great coaches that I've run into that it, there's always – a way to make it work for your athlete and there's always going to be there, there's never they just never lose hope we're like great athletes are like dang you didn't get that like yeah. i did that the first time well medium i think medium level athletes and i'm going to say this i don't consider myself on by any means a great coach but as an athlete i was kind of this this player who was medium level athlete at best but like effort was my thing mm-hmm. you know what i mean because that's like no matter who you are, what your athletic ability is, you can bring effort. 100%. 100% all the time, right? And so that's kind of how I survived. And I feel like the good coaches are a lot of times those type of players because they've taken this mid-range skill set, talent level, and figured out how to maximize it. So they've mm-hmm. had to work around these things. You know, if you're just this prodigious athlete, you just show up and you, you're just better than everyone. Yeah. So it doesn't take a lot of like math in your head as to how to beat people. You just go, oh, I don't know. I just jumped and I fucking hit 12 feet and I just yahtzeed the ball yeah. straight down. I don't, I don't know why I don't just do that every yeah. time. Yeah. Everyone super should easy. do that. Yeah. <laughs> right? But if that. you're a littler guy and you've got to f- figure out how to like chisel the ball around a block or, or whatever it is, find these little gaps, uh, you start to like have your brain work and, and sort of figure out those permutations, right? And so I think that's why oftentimes you see those mid-range athletes become the better coaches because they've had to figure out how to be successful with this mid-range skill set. And so they're more capable of explaining it, like you said, right? Yeah, and I think think another good thing about a coach is, like, I remember I I got so good at coaching within the first year or two of my gym being open because I just coached so many classes. Hmm. And I remember getting negative feedback sometimes from some Mm -hmm. of the women, not – to me but they would tell other people like yeah ryan said like this or this and like and that just didn't work for me mm. so i had to change my language considerably like just the way i would say things like the the different modifications i'd have to come with on the fly mm. like when someone would ask me modification when i first opened the gym it was way different and it was way more of a lagged response versus like two years in i'm right. like all of a sudden you could do this and this and this and this and this and this and like just instantly and you know i had already told hundreds of people who are at way different ability levels. So now I can look at the person. I know exactly what their pull-up modification is going to be. Mm. I know exactly how many they're going to do. I might change the number for them. Like there's just so many things that I know just like straight offhand. And I feel like, one, I had to get all those hours to be that good. And then, two, I had to bring myself down to their level. And I think a lot of the top athletes aren't willing to bring themselves down. Sure, They just want to be there. And then they want you to understand that they're the best coach because they're the best athlete. And right. I think that's, oh. I think that's what really fucks them over. Right. There's your concept of humility again, right? You got yeah. like, I mean, that's such an interesting statement because you have like the repetition, the the sort of like Gladwellian ten thousand hours of yeah. practice Work. thing, and, and you know, and then the humility part that all factor into making yourself a good coach, even as a great athlete, right? Yeah. But, I mean, that's an interesting point you make. The inability to check the ego a little bit is what hinders those great athletes from being able to relate to less than great athletes, right? Yeah, correct. Because a lot of times I feel like those people could coach probably pretty well, but it's just, it's like besides them. Like, it's just like, whoa, yeah, I don't, 
you don't know how to do that? Well, sorry. Like, yeah. pull harder. Yeah. No, like, pull harder. <laughs> like, that's a good cue. Like, <laughs> thanks, coach. Listen, this isn't a date we're on here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If it was a date, it would be a slay and release. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> it would be a slay and release type of date. <laughs> it would be a slay and release for sure. But who's counting? Uh, I have a question for Rich okay. just real quick. What is the most common myth about volleyball that you maybe want to debunk right now? Like common myth about volleyball players or volleyball in general that maybe people are not too familiar with that. Uh, are you talking about beach or, or indoor? Because I'm talking about your indoor career. Okay. Yeah. Well, in, in our country in particular, we think of volleyball as like a girl's sport, and probably rightfully so because – I actually don't think that at all. Oh, really? Well, yeah, in Southern California, it's a little bit different, the perspective, because we have a lot of boys' volleyball in high school here, and, and we have it at the beach, you know, like you live down by the beach. So, so we see it a lot being played by men, but it's – one of the biggest, like maybe basketball and volleyball for women in college are the two biggest sports. There's like 300 and some on Division One programs for volleyball for women. Okay. Um, and men's volleyball is kind of a Title IX casualty where like a fully funded like men's wrestling. volleyball program like wrestling gets four and a half full scholarships. That's not even enough to start a full team. Worse than wrestling. Wow. That's Worse bad. than wrestling. Yeah, wrestling gets nine. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah, but how many people are on a wrestling like team? Like 30. Yeah. So, yeah. so, but I mean, you know, volleyball starts six players, seven now if you count the Libro, and we get four and a half for a whole program. Women's volleyball gets 12, which, you know, whatever. We don't need to get into Title IX, but that's why it's considered kind of a girl's sport. So the myth I would like to debunk is anybody who thinks that, feel free to go watch some men's volleyball. It is insane. And see how athletic, how powerful, how fast – the game is it's it's wild i mean the type of athlete that plays even from the time i played is completely different now like my my good buddy a teammate of mine in 08 when we won uh in beijing was just with us at practice on tuesday and he's here uh helping out the indoor team over in anaheim and he's like he's like dude where did these guys come from (laughs) they're all like you know i joke around with you guys because you think i'm like a big dude here and I'm a little, you know, in the CrossFit world, I'm tall at 6'3", but uh, in the volleyball world, I'm a little guy. And I can show you pictorial evidence of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Every picture I'm in, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm this guy at the bottom of the thing, right? And, and anymore, it's like 6'7 and up Jeez. playing volleyball wow, with, six, with hops. I mean, if you're not touching above 11'8", you're not seeing the court. Jeez. I mean, wow. it's it's wild. Freak athletes. Freak athletes. And Freak so, athletes. you know, those type of athletes are gravitating towards the sport. And as such, the game's getting even faster, even more powerful. You know, I mean, it's it's pretty impressive. So that's, I mean, that's probably the biggest myth. Sweet. I think a lot of people don't realize, because I've watched a few, like, BYU volleyball games in mm-hmm. college. I went to Utah Valley University. It's like 15 minutes down the street. Yeah. And University of Utah right here. Boom. That's all Utah. All Utah here. That's so, where Jake went. Really? The guy, Coach, yeah. Oh, nice. So th- these guys are some of the best athletes I've ever seen. Like, they don't play basketball, so they don't get any, like, love because basketball gets all the love. But, right. like, volleyball players jump higher than most basketball players. Like, let's just put it out there. It's, it's how it works. That's actually an interesting proposition. I've never actually thought about it that way because you guys have so much hops and you're so tall. It could, I guess it's just a – Two completely different sports, but fuck, you could probably both be good at both of them. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think. I mean, obviously there is a, a lot way of different that. skills, obviously, for basketball, but. Yeah, it's. I mean, it is interesting. Like, obviously, you get sort of specific skill sets. Because um, I've played with, you know, I mean, Richard Jefferson, we know that name, right? Like, mm-hmm. one of the best athletes around when he played in the NBA. And I watched him down at the beach in the Manhattan Six Man playing volleyball. And he looked like an absolute spaz, just kind of when he was first starting to play volleyball. Obviously, his athleticism allowed him to catch up very quickly. And I saw him (laughs) a couple years later, we played together, and he was way, way better. But, like, you know, athleticism doesn't necessarily translate across disciplines all the time. Like, certainly not immediately anyways, right? Um, But, yeah, I mean, volleyball players are are some good athletes. Certainly our, our top players, the kid that's the setter for the national team, is unbelievable. He's this Hawaiian kid. He's six five. You know, he probably weighs one hundred ninety pounds or something. You know, he's he's pretty slight, but he can serve the crap out of the ball. He can hit with both hands. I mean, which like think about that. Like you can just swing with either hand. Yeah, that's gnarly. I think. Yeah, about. I, 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 don't, I can't do anything with my left. I don't know hand, if so. I can write my initials with my <laughs> left hand. <laughs> Much less swing at a volleyball. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, there's some unbelievable athletes. Uh, playing the game. Hmm. Well, does anyone else want to add anything really to this right now? I mean, I think that we hit, we I'm pretty excited about the fact that we we just covered post athlete career stuff. We talked about different types of coaching. Talked about you know who makes the best coach and who doesn't and why. I love I love all the stuff that we hit. I feel like we got a good well rounded conversation here. That was good. That was really I, serious. I liked the the last question you had for him. Yeah. You have it. Any, any. Some, sometimes I like to go to the end and have a couple little zippers in there. Uh-huh. A couple. This question, that question, yeah. this question, that question. But um, I guess like if I was to think of a couple more questions real quick, I think I would probably say, if you were to go back and play volleyball now in your very first year, is there any sort of training things that you would add that you do now that you didn't do then? I think mm, training wise, I don't know. You know, I would go with whatever's current. Like I told you, I talked to my strength and conditioning guy and the way they train and some of the. But extras. these guys, you're saying, are so much faster. Do you think there's a reason for that? Is it the coaching? Is it the is it the strength training? Is it? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, uh, that's an interesting question. You know what I'm because saying? Because yeah. they do they do train in more of a preventative, like injury preventative type of a way. Yep. And uh, you know, the guys I played with were you know physically a little more sturdy, so. Was it the type of athletes we had, or was it the type of training, or was it maybe a combination of both? You mm-hmm. know, who, who knows? And did the training evolve because we had these taller, thinner guys that needed, you know, like, I don't know, heavy lifting was going to break their bodies down, so we had to evolve it. You know, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? And maybe it's probably a combination of both, quite frankly, right? I just always love to ask that question. I think for every sport, it's it's just it's always nice to ask because like even like swimming for instance they get faster yeah and there's got to be something with the way that they train and the you know the technique or what, whatever they do yeah even the nutrition what about your nutrition how 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 has your nutrition changed uh I guess then you probably just ate everything under the sun yeah yeah when you You'd when you go to practice that. several hours a day you don't really have to think about what you're eating as much um, you know I wish I was better with my diet I try and be a little more strict these days. But I also have that outlook that you and I were talking about how I work out hard so I can eat whatever I yeah. want kind of a thing. Did you think yeah. about sleep and hydration and all that type of stuff back then or not really as much? I mean, I th- I thought about sleep just because, you know, when you're playing for the U.S. team, uh, ultimately, as I found out, like every day is pretty much a tryout. Like you could just be clipped 
at any point. So, you you know, I didn't want to go into practices like Dragon and, you know, whatever. I wanted to be yeah. as good as I could be. And so for me, that means I need to sleep well and all that stuff and have a nap in the afternoon <laughs> and those kind of things. Um, but to answer your question about if I could go back, I would probably work on mobility Ooh, a lot more. Mm. I think you know what would, I mean? I think we would almost all say that. Yeah. yeah. I never thought about, like, stretching and kind of um, taking care of my body in that way as much as I should have, and I still don't, quite frankly. I hadn't uh, even heard of a foam roller until, like, 2010. Not even kidding. Like, a, one, of my, one of my bobsled friends all of a sudden pulled the foam roller out, and I was like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. And then they were like, oh, it's like, you know. It's uh, massaging, like, my tissue and, like, you know, breaking up scar tissue and all this stuff. And I was like, huh. I was like, you think if I use that, I'd be better? And they're like, oh, 100%. And then I remember, like, rolling on it every day. And I was like, yeah, this is good. I wasn't getting any any better. And I was getting pissed. I was like, I'm I'm fucking foam rolling all the time. You know what I mean? But I think self-care, like, mobility, like, sleep, all those things have, like, I don't want to say recently, but more been on, like, the spotlight as of late. With all sports, yeah. like being like, hey, take care of your body. Hey, stretch. Hey, you know, hydrate. All these things that before it was like, hey, hard practice, go home. You yeah, you right. work hard today. Like you killed it. You know, and now it's like, hey, recovery is important. Well, because I, I mean, it was probably only midway through my time with the USA team that we got into like the sports psychology stuff. I mean, that's another that's element. fairly new too. That like I never, you yeah. know. All through college, we never had any of that stuff. And and uh, this doctor we had, his name was Ken Revisa. He worked with the Angels a lot. And a lot of his stuff was baseball-centric as a result. But it was very, very fascinating to me and stuff that I still repeat quite often. You know, things like, does everything have to be perfect for you to succeed? Like, it's it's this great sort of, like, manipulative way to ask that question. Like, because you back somebody into a corner, right? Because yeah. they're, they're never going to admit that, like, yeah, I have to have every call go my way. All, the conditions have to be perfect for me to do my best. Whether, like, people are just yeah. instinctively going to go, no, of course not. Well, then what are you bitching about? Yeah. Right? Get out there. And and another one that he would always say is, like, listen, we all go, th- you know, kind of through ebbs and flows, whether it be how we feel physically, how we feel mentally, whatever. But if you have – if you're at 80% today – you can show up and give a hundred percent of your eighty percent, mm. and that's Ooh. all. That's huh. all that can be expected of you, right? Some days you're going to have a hundred percent, and great, hundred percent of your hundred percent. Some days it's going to be forty percent, maybe, but you can give a hundred percent of your forty percent effort. Wow. Right? Yeah. It goes back to the effort My thing. Hundred percent. Yeah, right there. Dude, that was good. I mean, it, like that stuff seems like a throwaway, <laughs> but it's such a legit concept, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, we cannot dive into this because it'll be another hour. But yeah. like, I almost think that all the cool things that we have, you, you, you have you know a heart rate monitor device slash thing on your wrist, David, mm-hmm. and then you've got the Apple Watch over there. I have a Whoop, and you know it tells me my sleep and my recovery and all these things, and I'll wake up feeling great. But it'll say, "Hey, man, like you're Ooh. you're not you're not doing yeah, that that's good. a different podcast." Yo, and I'm boy. like, "Yo," <laughs> right. so like sometimes I think that knowing too much can be detrimental as sure. well. Like, sure. I almost wish I didn't know as much about sleep and, you know, rest and all these things. Like, I, it's just, it's, it's crazy. Like, I, I look back now in my athletic career, I'm like, man, I should have took more days off. I should have done this. I should have done that. But I, I think. Ne- I when, never slept in college. Yeah. When you feel like, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if, if you don't know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. 
Well, that is, <laughs> I mean, that mindset. is a whole different, like the whole technology aspect of it is a whole different conversation. Yeah. But I will say that like one of the benefits of being X amount of years into a career, whether it be CrossFit or volleyball or whatever, right, is that ability to know yourself, right? Like Jake, one of the guys I coach is 45 years old. He knows himself impeccably well at this point. Hey, I, you know, today I, I can't go longer than this, or I need X amount of jumps or whatever. I need this kind of warm up, all that kind of stuff. Like he's pretty dialed into his body at this point. He's pretty good at what he does. Yeah, he's pretty he's, <laughs> he's pretty good he's at what he does. He's pretty good at what he does. <laughs> Just throw that out there, Jake. Yeah, Gibbs. so I mean that's that's an important element too and you know, he's not j- basing that on what his yes, whoop it's says. Yes, in, intuitive intuitive feels. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is the end of the podcast here. If you would like to see any more of these gentlemen, they will shout out their Instagrams for you right here. Rich, where can everybody find you on the gram? Uh, at Richie USA, R-I-C-H-Y USA. USA. Yep. And you'll see, he's a very enormous man. <laughs> um, yeah. David over here, this jabroni. At coach underscore David Prieto. Or Ooh. just go to the just go to the Instagram. Yeah, you can find Chalk us on Performance Training. training. Yeah. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for hanging out. Thank you for, um, you know, just being subscribers to the podcast and showing all of your support. If you guys want to know of any of the things that we have going on that's new, make sure you guys follow us on Chalk Performance Training on the Instagram. It, what is it? It's chalkperformance.training. Yeah, chalkperformance.training. Yeah, I had to change it because Instagram screwed me. Like, all of a sudden, they blo- They wouldn't let us put captions. It was, like, so weird. So I had to change the Instagram because it was chalk.performance.training. Now it's mm. chalk.performance.training. Correct. I had to change it. Um, anyway, in, in terms of my world, Ryan Fisher here, we have the new Earn Your Carbs style learning module. So you guys don't just get a guide anymore. You actually get a step-by-step video course where I go through all of it and show you how to do everything. I show you how to track your calories on your phone, how to calculate your maintenance calories, how to use the whole carb cycling principles, and we do it in video format. I break it all down, and we do videos on mindset and videos on just literally anything you guys can think about. I've been doing this for a couple years now, and I basically just took all of the most important questions and turned them into videos, and there's about three-plus hours on there. So if you guys go to my personal website, which is jimryan.com, G-Y-M-R-Y-A-N.com, you guys can check that out. And the next challenge that we have coming up for the Earn Your Carbs Challenge, where you guys can win up to $3,000, starts May 24th. So, again, thank you guys for listening. We will see you next week.